This is the Tech Nibble Computer Business Podcast with Bryce Witte, dedicated to helping you succeed in the computer business. Hello and welcome to another Technical Computer Business Podcast. I'm Bryce Whitty and today I have Rachel Logan who is a pay-per-click expert who is currently doing work for the remote support software Instant House Call. In this podcast, we talk about how to be successful with pay-per-click advertising, how to choose good keywords and refine them so that they cost you less, how to create a good landing page that abides by Google and Big's terms but also converts well, how to write a good ad, how to improve your Google AdWords quality score, which I know so many technicians get stuck on and they just can't run their ads, and also outsourcing versus doing pay-per-click yourself. Please welcome Rachel Logan. Hello. Uh, So, would you be able to just really briefly explain what kind of the difference is between pay-per-click and, say, uh, organic search engine marketing, just for the people who are very new to this? Sure. So your organic search is when someone goes to Google or Bing and types in keywords, it'll pull up the responses that Google has deemed are an appropriate answer to whatever your question is. PPC is slightly different in that you actually run an ad and Google will match their search to your ad copy and your keywords and then put ads on their search that they can click on and you pay every time they click. Do you have any tips for any texts on, I guess, how to do a really good ad? Say, for example, on Google AdWords. So on AdWords, and actually on Bing as well, your quality score is really important. And that is the score that Google gives you that says that your keywords match your search queries and your ads and that it's all relevant to your website. So your ad copy is going to need to match your keywords closely as well as match your landing page closely and be relevant to whoever is searching for you. So, for example, if someone searches for purple elephants and your ad, you know, in your, maybe your keyword is purple elephants, but your ad talks about blue whales, you're going to get a horrible quality score and your ad will never show up. So it's important that everything is relevant to each other. Um, And then as far as ad copy itself goes, people expect to see ad language. So you can be a little pitchy in your ad. You don't get very many characters that you can use. So you've got to be very clear and concise, but you also need to avoid words like free. Google doesn't like that. So uh, you want to be very clear and very specific to your audience. Tell them exactly what you have for them, and then you should be good. Yeah, I think uh, that the keyword free would be dangerous, not just from Lord Google not liking it, but I think it would attract the wrong clients. Yeah, it's very true. And of course, it depends on what you're advertising, what service that you're advertising. You know, as a technician, you may be advertising virus removal, you may be advertising other tech services or even building computers, and you're going to need to have everything drilled down and very specific. And that's where landing pages and things come in, because when someone types in, you know, I'm looking for malware removal and your ad pops up and your ad is compelling. It talks about removing malware and they click on it. And let's say they go to your homepage and on your homepage, it says, we build computers. They're going to click right off. They're going to bounce immediately. So you have to be very specific and landing pages come in handy in order to make sure that you maintain the attention of, of your customer. 
Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest mistake I see other techs do with PPC is, as you mentioned, keywords virus removal and going to a page, the homepage. I think they need to super optimize the page that it's pointing to. So as you mentioned, uh, if it's virus removal, then we are the best at virus removal. We can come to your location. And I think I also see that some of them will put their phone number on the home page, but not on the sub, you know, page like the virus removal page. So it's like, okay, you've interested them, but there's no phone number. Yes, definitely. They need a way to contact you. And you can actually, through AdWords, put your phone number directly on the ad as an extension, which if they choose to see your ad and call you straight from the ad without clicking, then you saved yourself some money. Not very much, but um, it doesn't necessarily require them going to your page. You can advertise directly to their first opportunity to see the ad. Do you have any tips for uh, writing a good uh, landing page, like what sort of things they should have on a landing page? I have been informed on a number of occasions from Google reps that their crawlers prefer everything to be above the line. So you need to have as much information as you can text-wise that the crawlers can read above the fold. So when you first go to a website, of course, above the fold is anything that you see immediately that you don't have to scroll down for. You don't necessarily have to have your exact keywords on that landing page, but it helps if they're at least relevant because the entire automated system looks for specificity. An example, something I do with my own stuff is basically I write everything I want to say and then I figure out how to say that with less words, compress it and make it much tighter. And as you mentioned, keep it above the fold. Yeah, exactly. They're not generally looking for a lot of information. And again, you really need to know your market and understand what your what your customers are looking for. But most customers, if they're coming to you, if they're coming to you through PPC, they're not necessarily looking for you. They're looking for a solution to a problem. So your landing page shouldn't be pitching you. It should be telling them what the solution is to their problem and showing them that it's you. All right. So um, do you think that having a picture of you does add credibility or should we have that in the same bit above the fold or is it specifically just exactly what you do? We, we can solve your virus removal problems. And I think it is, is definitely important to have your picture there and to let people know, especially in this, in this world. You know, I, I ran a company for a while where we got all of our traffic from PPC and it was amazing. Google and Bing eventually shut us down because other people in the industry were running frauds, which was unfortunate for us, but I'm, I'm glad that they're protecting consumers that way. But people are aware, and they're not going to just call anybody, but if you have a picture and a little bit about you, that's a great thing to have on you or on your, on your website, on your landing page. I think it's just important to try to match your landing page to your keywords, and that's why they, they break it down into ad groups and to specific landing pages so that you have you know just a few keywords that apply to that landing page and then you build a new one for your next set of keywords. All right, so um, with uh, choosing good keywords, like I know you said it's very specific on what you do, but like just to use an example of everyday tech, he goes, he does a bit of break fix, he goes to um, the suburbs that are the next town over and the next town over in the other direction. Let's say he does basic virus removal and um, hardware upgrades. What would... It's difficult to do this without punching it into the keyword tool, but what would be some typical um, keywords that he'd want for something like that? First of all, he's going to want to make sure that he's targeting geographically so that he's not advertising to the entire country because that won't do him any good or the world for that matter. He needs to be very specific on his geography and both Google and Bing uh, will allow you to do that. But beyond that, as far as choosing keywords, it's important to remember what your 
customer is looking for. Again, they're not searching for you. They're trying to find a solution to their problem. And most of your customers are not going to, typically, are not going to say, how do I remove this virus? They're going to talk about a problem. They're going to say, I can't get into my email, or I have too many toolbars, or something like that. And then you present the solution as being, if you have too many toolbars, you, you might have malware. A little bit of education, because they don't, they don't know that. I mean, we, when we would call our customers, we did a lot of remote support break-fix. And nobody, nobody knew what malware was. So advertising for malware did us no good because anybody who was actually searching for that already knew what it was and most likely wasn't going to hire me to help them. They were going to download some program or something, which whether or not they should, you know, I won't talk about that. But you have to find out what your audience is actually searching for. And so you, you use these long tail keywords that are longer. You know, I can't get into my email. Honestly, most of the time when people can't get into their email, it's simple. They just don't know how to click on the right things in order to get their password back. But a lot of times, too, they're having malware that's preventing things or they have too many toolbars or maybe they might, you know, my search bar isn't working or my search results aren't what I want them to be. That's all indicative of malware toolbars that are on their system that that they may need help and be willing to pay you to help them take care of. So you need to be thinking about what their actual problems are and how they talk about their problems, not how you would describe their problems. So how would you find out uh, what they're searching for? Is there a, a tool or is it really you just kind of need to think about what your own clients are asking? You would just need to pay attention to what they're asking. If you have a shop, pay attention to what people come in and say. When they come in and they set their computer down in front of you, what are they saying? What are the words that they're saying? Those are keywords. Yeah, I, I guess us technicians need to realize that a lot of people think that the box that sits under their desk is called the CPU or the, the screen is called the CPU. They all, they're not using the terms that we know. With managed services, I often tell techs, don't use the keyword managed services because a lot of people don't search for managed services. They search for outsourced IT or something like that. Exactly. And not only that, but the word managed service is high, high competition. If you're a small guy, there is no way you're going to be able to afford to keep up with that. You also mentioned a lot of people do have technical problems when they are searching and calling a tech. Often they have trouble even getting to Google or even um, Google isn't their default search engine. What would you recommend as a way for the techs to maximize the amount of people that are looking for them? Okay, so there's two things here. AdWords obviously is everybody's preference and Bing usually gets swept under the rug, but Bing is actually cheaper, and, and I'm not really, I don't know if it's because their market share is technically smaller, but I found in the past that you're getting, for this particular market, you're getting just as good a results, if not better results from using Bing as you do from Google, because a lot of these people, their computer comes as Bing as, as their default search, and that's what they search through. Now, if they get some malware or something on their computer, whether they're using Google or they're using Bing, they are really they run through affiliates of Bing or of Google. Now the downside to that is that if you're going to try to pitch somebody on a on a remote support cleanout or help them that way, they tend to be a little bit sketchy because they're not quite sure where you came from because their search engine wasn't clean. If they're coming into your store or you're going to their location, then all you have to do is make sure that your Google or your Bing is set to to advertise through the search partners and those extra toolbars and those extra searches that get hijacked will lead to you as well. Uh, you mentioned search partners. Um, could you explain a little bit how that differs from what's on the, say, the Google or Bing results? 
Yeah, the results themselves don't usually change. But what happens, especially specifically talking about malware, or even if it's not malware, maybe it's just a toolbar you don't want, it'll search through, for example, Ask. Ask is, as far as last time I checked, is a Google search partner. And so if someone searches through Ask, Ask is actually kind of rebranding the Google search. So it goes out through Google and finds your results and it labels everything like you found it from Ask, but it's actually going through the Google service. So when you advertise through Google and someone searches through Ask, it'll pull up your results because Ask is pulling from Google. Okay. Would you suggest that uh, technicians also use, say, something like um, negative terms as in certain words to avoid in keyword search? Yeah, absolutely. Or even misspellings. Um, so if they've got a weird name like, I don't know, like ABC Tech, should they do something like EBC Tech or something like that? Um, honestly, I, I don't recommend, as long as your website is built properly and has its own SEO, you don't have to hire someone, but the, the crawlers will find your website. I do not re- recommend running PPC on your name. Uh, because you're just going to pay for people that would have clicked on you otherwise. I mean, if, if someone's searching for your specific name, now if you're, if you're ABC Tech, there could be 100 ABC Techs out there, so maybe in your ge- geographic area. You don't want to target your own name because someone will see your ad. They're going to see both your, your website come up in the, in the organic search, hopefully, if your website's optimized properly. And then they'll also see it as an ad, and they're more likely to click on, click on the ad because it's going to be higher so you'll end up paying for somebody that would have come to your website anyway. So I don't usually recommend, you know, you're going to see really high click-through rates with your own name, but that's because they would have clicked on you anyway. Something I see that's a little bit cheeky as well is some bid on their competitor's brand name. So, you know, if you search for Google, it might be a Bing ad or something like that. Would you recommend people bid on their competitor's brand name? You are not allowed to use your competitor's brand name because it's trademarked. So you might be able to run it for a few days, but as soon as Google picks up on it, they'll disapprove your ad. With some of my own um, PPC that I've done, um, getting the quality score is uh, a problem. And I see that on the forums. People do their keywords, they do their ads, but they can never get their quality score up to a point where Google will actually run it for any significant amount of time. Do you have any recommendations on that? Yeah, the biggest one is to stay away from the common keywords. Um, get yourself into a market or in Google's eyes into a market that's different than the big guys because a lot of it is just your market share. Your quality score goes pretty far, but as long as you're willing to pay a ton of money and you don't have the history on your account to compete with the big guys, uh, you're just not going to get the market share you know, in the, in the space on the page the way that they are. So the best thing to do is just stay away from all those keywords and kind of run – technically with the same audience, but under different keywords. And even though your quality score may not improve, you'll get more runtime. And and ultimately, at at the end of the day, you can spend so much time and energy trying to get your quality score up. And the most important thing is whether or not you're getting ROI. Your quality score could be really low, but if your return on investment of using AdWords is high or even breaking even so that you're branding and you're getting your name out there without spending any technically spending any money because you're getting enough people coming in on it, um, then it's worth it. And you don't need to really worry about the quality score. There's only so much you can do, and you can't fight against their systems. I can't tell you how many times I've – they have people in this back room that they don't even let you talk to. If you have a problem and you have to go through somebody else, you cannot get a straight answer from them as to what exactly you need to do. So you follow their best practices, and then you just watch your ROI. 
You mentioned a common keyword, so um, I assume that'd be like uh, virus removal, Los Angeles. Um, are you saying avoid a keyword like that? Yeah, for two reasons. Number one, all the big guys that can afford to outbid you on those keywords are going to be using those keywords. And number two, your customer most likely is not going to say virus removal. Now, if you're if you're dealing with say, a company um, or some larger organization that maybe has a tech that works for them that is searching for something, you just got to figure out exactly what service they're looking for and just drill it down. It's just not specific enough. Okay, so um, it might be um, ask toolbar removal or something like that. Is that, that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, or even, I mean, they may not even know that removing the toolbar is what they need to do. Maybe they just feel like their search results aren't what they used to be or their search results appear fraudulent. Because a lot of times, some of those, some of the ones that are actually malware will pull back uh, search results that don't look right, and it makes them nervous. They don't know what to do, and so they search for that, and then now your ad pops up, and hopefully they click on it. All right, so you could have a keyword like um, scam search, and the ad would be, "Is your uh, search not what it used to be, or not what it's supposed to look like?" Then give us exactly. a call. Exactly. You got to get in their heads and think what question are, what problem are they dealing with? What question are they asking? And how am I going to answer that question? You mentioned um, tracking the ROI. Google will have and Bing will track the amount of clicks that come through the ad. Once the client is on the technician's site, how does a technician track whether that converted into a call or whether it converted into actual work? Is there a good way to track that? There's two ways you can do it. You can use trackers to where when someone comes to your website from the ad, it's showing up on your system as a particular tracker. So you know what campaign they came from, what ad group they came from. So you can specify it that way on your end. But there's also code that you can put into Google the same way that you can that, I guess, tracks it on its, on its own. So you have what they pull up as a click equals they go to your website, and that's automatic. But there's code on the Google side that you can put into your website that will tell Google when someone's performed a certain action or gone to a certain page. So let's say that they a conversion is setting up a schedule with you on the website. And part of that scheduling process, there's a page that comes up that says, thank you for scheduling with us. You can put a snippet of code on that page that when someone reaches that page, which means they've obviously scheduled with you, it'll signal to Google that someone's reached that page and it'll show up that conversion as well. So you can see, and it'll show up exactly for which keyword brought them there. So it'll track their entire progress to that converting moment, and it'll report it to Google. So that's uh, that's using Google Analytics code, is that correct? Yes, it's, it's in the same category, yeah. And um, is that tracking? Is that using uh, goals in Google Analytics, or is it um, something completely different? It's, I believe it's under the conversions tab. Okay, okay. But the code must be on the thank you for scheduling with us because that only appears after they've actually entered their details or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, it has to be on the part of your website that is for sure they did whatever desired action you required of them to do. If you, if you do it just on the part where they schedule, you don't know whether they scheduled or not. All you know is that they got to that page. Okay, yep, I understand. What sort of minimum spend uh, should a lot of techs use? Um, I, I know some people go into this fairly sheepishly and say, oh, I'll only do $50 or maybe $100. Is there any recommended minimum spend for them to 
I know with most things, there needs to be a certain point before you start really getting the results. Is there a minimum point for spending on Google ads or Bing ads? It really depends on how much time you have. If you have a month to figure out what your numbers are, then you can start off really slow and you can let the numbers trickle in. And at the end of that month, you can look at your numbers and figure out if it's working for you or what to change. The difficulty is that now you've run the campaign for an entire month and you only now know if maybe some ad copy wasn't working or maybe one particular keyword wasn't working. You don't have a lot of information, but you do have that information for the same amount of money that you would have spent if you'd have spent that entire month's budget over the course of two days. You're just making changes quicker. So it really just depends on how much time you you have to spend. Spend a little bit of money if you have a lot of time and you just want to slowly kind of figure out whether this is going to work. Um, spend a lot of money if you want to find out right away. But the amount of money as far as your daily budget um, does not have any effect over how much your ad is going to be displayed. And I need to clarify that a little bit because it does to some degree. If you, if your daily spend, you know, if you cap out on your daily spend, um, your ad will show only as many times as you can afford for that day. But what I'm saying is that the results that you get back, the responses that you get back are not going to be any different whether you're spending $25 or $100 or even $1,000. It'll just depend on how quickly you get enough information to make decisions and to make changes and to, to maximize your ROI. Once you have a positive ROI at that point, I mean, it's, it's easy. You've basically built this system now where you put $1 in and the machine gives you $10 back. There's no amount then of saying, well, why wouldn't I give that dollar? Why wouldn't I give that machine all of my dollars if it's going to give me $10 back, right? So once you get something working, put as much money as you can or want into it. Once you determine that you have a certain ROI, like let's just say, as you said, $1 spent results in $10 made, how would a technician refine that? Like I want to, beyond just increasing the spend, how would I turn that $10 into $20? If you look through your keywords and you look through your ad groups and your ads, you'll find the ones that aren't performing as well as others. Now, if they have a positive ROI, um, then they're worth running, but maybe they're not worth running as much as the other ones are. And so you can change the way your ad groups run and put them in separate campaigns. So once you figure out, because your, your maximum, your daily budget is based on your campaign or is at the campaign level. So once you figure out there's some maybe that aren't performing as well, you can move them to a new campaign and not spend as much of your budget on those and spend all of your budget on the, on the ones that do give you a greater return, or you can just pause those ones all together and only focus on the ones that give you the greatest return. It, it's really just kind of your own preference or what you see the best. And maybe they convert, but maybe they convert differently. Maybe you're getting schedules from all of them, and maybe the ones that, that deal with malware removal are getting better results than the ones that deal with building a computer, but the ones that are for building a computer are making you more money or maybe even just the ones that you like to do more. Maybe you like to build computers and you don't really like to remove malware. As an individual business owner, you get to make those decisions of where your priorities are. It makes sense. Um, what's working, keep doing it and what isn't, kill it and what you don't enjoy, don't do it. <laughs> right. I see a bit of a nuclear arms race happen with keywords sometimes. So if I bid $2 on, let's say, something like virus removal then my nearby competitor will bid a little bit more and i think you can i think you can set option where you keep 
bidding higher than the last person. Um, how do you kind of stop the nuclear arms race that happens with that sort of thing and where your keywords can just, just become super expensive really quickly? Well, the first way is to stay away from the volatile keywords, the ones that everybody's going to think of when they come in, come into the market. You have companies who come in to AdWords and don't find a positive ROI and they leave. But in the meantime, they've totally messed up your numbers because they're bidding on things that they weren't bidding on before. Um, so a lot of it, you just have to write it out and determine exactly what you're willing to pay for something or avoid those keywords that you know that the new guys are going to think of first. So like I said, those long tail keywords that are really answering your customers' questions. Um, and, and otherwise, there's really nothing you can do. There are, are a lot of limits to this system. And if you have someone that's bigger than you that wants their name on top, no matter what the cost, there's nothing you can do about that. It's the person with the most money. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend uh, many advertising outside the standard uh, Google and being like, I'm not sure if Yahoo's is still going. I think they shut that down. But um, are there any other search networks that are worth looking at? All of the other search networks are partners of Google or Bing. So as long as you have it marked on your accounts to search through their search partners, you're going to hit those as well. Any of the other ones that search outside of that do not have a very good reputation. And so, you know, really, you're going to get customers, but... And they may be the ones that really have a problem because they're searching through some piece of malware and they really need your help. Um, but on the other hand, you know, your, your website can get flagged for getting too many hits through fraudulent searches. And then Google and Bing will pick up on those and close your account down. So you have to be really careful. Do you use any um, tools? Like I remember um, you can use some applications like uh, Market Samurai or other third-party tools that aren't Google's um, keyword search tool. Do you recommend any tools that technicians could use? You can you can Google and find some programs that you can use. Honestly, I don't recommend them. I don't find that you get the kind of information that you need or want. There's so much limiting about what they what keywords that they're going to tell you. And even if you pay for a system and don't use a free one, um, it's still limiting on the keywords and how common that keyword is in the market. And it's not telling you exactly what their ROI is on, on the ones that people are actually searching for. So you're not really getting any information to be able to back reanalyze or, or compete with them on their level. There's, I don't feel like you're getting enough return on trying to understand through those programs. It's really honestly best to just focus on your own, your own system, find your own keywords and track your own ROI. Absolutely makes sense. The negative keywords, the best way to find negative keywords is to go into your search queries after you've had enough. And again, this is where the budget comes in because it could take you a month or more to have enough search queries to trigger a report in order for you to even see what people are searching for if you're only spending a little bit every day. But once you have enough data there, Google will let you see what everybody's searching for. And at that point, you can see ones that maybe get a lot of hits or a lot of clicks that are kind of messing up your numbers. No one's converting because they have nothing to do with your business. That is a negative keyword. You want to put that in there so people don't search for it. And then, of course, things that are similar to that um, or anything that you think of that could be added to a sentence. So, for example, one of the big ones that we ran into was Xbox because we were running keywords that had to do with people having issues with logging in because a lot of the malware would, would conflict with their logging in process. And we had so many people who were complaining about not being able to log into their Xbox, but that had nothing to do with what we were providing. And so Xbox became one of our negative keywords. You really want to use that to drill down because your click-through rates and your conversion rates will become much better if you can get rid of all the trash. 
So would you recommend that technicians start fairly wide with their keywords? Like obviously keep it uh, in their town like um, computer, well, not computer repair Los Angeles, but something a little bit more um, targeted than that and then uh, sort of hone in and, re- and refine, do negative keywords or should they still keep it fairly tight and then take the negative keywords out of that small amount? So I guess I'm asking is go wide and then refine or still keep it fairly tight and refine? So there's actually tools, um, PPC, I think it's PPC Hero. Um, there are tools that are out there from, from PPC marketing companies. So you don't have to sign up for anything, but they have tools that you put in one keyword and it will give you all the associated keywords. And what I'll do is I'll go through that list of associated keywords that they've said pull up similar searches and say, well, that one has nothing to do with my business, negative keyword, you know, and I'll be able to go through that and mark through all the negative keywords. So you start out with a good batch of negative keywords. And then as you go, you add to that. And you do really want to start with a wide net. You want to cast a wide net first and go ahead and use those big words. See how much they're going to cost you because you don't know in your area, maybe nobody else is using them. You might be one of the lucky ones. I can guarantee you if you're in Los Angeles, you won't be. But if you're somewhere else, you never know. Maybe those words are going to have a great positive ROI for you. So you want to make sure that you do cast a wide net first and then watch your numbers. Uh, That sort of applies with a lot of our computer business uh, marketing is try multiple sources and then refine. And you probably will end up spending a lot of money to begin with. But then you just refine it and see what works and I guess make more money. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned uh, ad groups and campaigns before. What's the difference between an ad group and a campaign? Okay, so you have multiple levels in your account. Your account is is you. It's all the things that you control. Your campaign level would be a specific business. Um, so let's say you have a computer repair business, but then you also have something that might be similar related to your computer repair business, but it's not exactly the same business. You'd have those in two separate campaigns um, because all of your keywords are going to be different. All of your ad groups and ads are going to be different. Under each campaign you have ad groups, and each ad group consists of a group of keywords and its associated ad, and each one of those keywords can go to any of the ads. So, for example, that's kind of confusing, but if you, at the ad group level, you have a bunch of ads. Again, you want to do split testing. You don't want to have just one ad for each ad group. You want to have two or three that say things slightly differently because you don't know what kind of response you're going to get. You don't necessarily want to have ads that are completely different from each other because there's no way of knowing uh, whether or not they're responding to the ad as a whole or whether or not they're responding to a particular wording. So an ad group would be an, an ad, an ad copy, and then multiple ads that have slightly different language in them. And then associated with that ad group are the keywords that will trigger those ads. And you can set it to where it optimizes for the one, the ad that's performing the best or you can set it to do it all evenly so that you can optimize it yourself. There's all sorts of options in there. The campaign level is going to be your main business level, and then each ad group level will be your ads, and that's usually where you drill down your products. So if you have an ad group for virus removal, you have an ad group for building computers, you have an ad group for basic hardware repair, that's where you're going to drill down your actual products. Would you recommend having multiple ads for a single keyword? So I don't want to keep using the uh, very expensive, say, virus removal Los Angeles, but let's say we were targeting that. Would you recommend we have one ad for just that or five ads or ten ads? Uh, you're gonna, you want to want to have at least two so that you can be testing which one works better. 
When you find one that works better, you keep that one, you get rid of the old one, and you make a new one. So you're, you're constantly testing. You always want to be testing ads against each other. Um, you can do two or three at a time. Any more than that, you're spreading out their, their clicks so much that you're not getting super useful information back. Um, so you want to keep it to two or three. And then you don't usually want to have one keyword in each ad group. You want to have more. So if you're doing virus removal Los Angeles, and again, you don't even really have to put Los Angeles in there if you've used your geographic targeting. Only people in L.A. are going to see your ad. Um, but maybe they are searching specifically for the words Los Angeles, and you know that they are, or maybe they're not. Um, and there's different ways that you can monitor that with the geographic targeting. But you'll have, other, you'll have virus removal, and then you'll have remove my virus or my computer has a virus. You'll have keywords that are tightly related to each other so that they can be tightly related to the ads. Um, but you're going to have more than one keyword in each ad group. All right. So to clarify on that, I would have a campaign that is my business. So ABC Tech or something like that. In there, I would have an ad group that has multiple ads. I'm testing one that says, do you have a virus on your computer? And the other one says, virus problems, question mark, something like that. And they're all triggered by the same set of keywords. Is that correct? Yeah. I do want to add for most people who are running their own AdWords, it can be incredibly complicated and frustrating, and you really need to seriously consider whether or not you want to outsource it. I personally am not one for spending money I don't need to spend, but it depends on how busy you are because it can take up a lot of your time. If you don't watch it carefully, it can get away from you and it can end up being a sinkhole for your company. So you have to be very careful with it. It's not something that you can just set and then walk away from. You need to be updating it. If you don't have time to do that, then find someone who can or maybe just leave it alone until you have some time. I guess you can end up spending as much money and as much time on AdWords as you would have actually eventually gained. So you got two hours of work, but you also spent two hours getting those keywords and sorting it all out. Right. And again, I don't, I don't recommend that you go with any sort of professional company. And the reason why is because you are the only one who knows your customers. So many people will pay so much money to have someone, to have a big company manage their PPC for them. And that company, no matter how much you tell them your business model and how much you tell them what they what you do, they will never understand your customer base the way that you do. And I really do believe that the individual business owner will be way more successful running their own PPC campaign than they will hiring out. But that said, if you don't have very much time or you're overloaded with work, I mean, your time is money. An hour spent with a customer actually making money is going to be better than the hour trying to figure out your PPC. So you need to figure out how much time and effort you can actually put into it and know that it does it does take time and it does take consistent time. You can't, there, there was no point in time where you ever get it to a point, even when you have positive ROI, where you can say, great, now I don't need to think about that anymore because it will change on you. A new business will come into your market and mess up all your numbers. So you have to constantly be, be watching it. I think that's a mindset problem that a lot of um, new techs have is they do very much want to do all of it as much as they can, but they do miss the fact that they could be spending that time actually repairing computers. Uh, Some of these guys spend so much time on a single thing, um, whether it's PPC or working on their website or something, that their effective income per hour becomes less than, say, if you're working at McDonald's, for example. Right, right. And I, I guess, as you mentioned, they've got to make the decision whether it's worth 
paying professional who may not understand your market as well, especially if they're handling a lot of clients outside the computer repair industry. As you mentioned, they know what their clients are saying, so they can do pretty good keywords. Or find a freelancer, a local freelancer, even maybe not local, someone who has more time to really understand your business and can help you out with it and probably won't cost as much as the big companies. To rehash on uh, what we've talked about, one thing people really got to watch out is watch their keywords. Don't necessarily target a such a short one like Computer Repair Los Angeles because probably everyone in Los Angeles will be targeting that keyword, especially people who have more money than um, you or I do. Target more long-tail keyword. Uh, my search doesn't look like what it's supposed to or my computer is making a strange noise or something like that. And point them to a ad group of different ads, hopefully more than two. That way we can test and refine and I guess check your keywords, um, see what's working, what's not. Make sure you actually track that and track the page that is after the point you want them to do. So if you want them to fill out your, your form, make sure you're tracking the page after your form because it actually shows they press submit. Um, is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. And the only thing I would add to that is that as a computer repair technician or, or anybody in that industry, Google and Bing are both very critical of our industry, especially when it comes to internet marketing. There's just so much fraud out there. And so they're very particular about what is on your landing pages. For example, they don't like having any downloads on the landing page unless it's been specified a number of different ways and you can get more information from Google's documentation on that. But you need to be very careful because if you don't follow the rules, they'll warn you. And if you don't follow them again, they'll shut you down and never let you come back. <laughs> so they take it very seriously. And so you need to make sure that you are, are following all of their rules to the T. I'm not sure whether it was uh, Google AdWords or Bing, or, but I, I seem to remember they didn't like remote support people. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what, that's what happened to my company. We had a fantastically successful remote support, and we helped so many people. And honestly, there was a lot of goodwill in that. Um, it was really fun getting to help people who there was no way they were going to be able to leave their home, but their computer wasn't working. And because they couldn't leave their home, their computer was their lifeblood. And with it not working, they were miserable. And, and we were able to remote into them and fix their problems and get their back to, I mean, these poor 80-year-old women who just want to play solitaire, but their computer's not working. You know, we get to help them, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but they're also very um, prone to people taking advantage of that. And unfortunately, there were so many people, so many companies using remote support to take advantage of people that Google and Bing just shut it all down completely. If I was strictly a remote support person, um, what would be my way around that, or what would be a better alternative um, honestly, I don't know what to tell you. You're probably not going to be able to do it through PPC. If you had some sort of on-site or something that you could advertise and then have the remote support be uh, one of the services that you offer, then that's different. But if you're strictly trying to advertise remote support, uh, they really, really don't like that. So maybe just trying to get the call in your ad copy and then say, oh, I see that you're you know, 200 miles away from me, what we can offer is remote support, something exactly. more like that. Exactly. And, and ultimately, your customers are going to feel more comfortable about that anyway, because if you try to pitch them with remote support right off the bat, there's been too many news reports. They're leery of that. 
But if you sell yourself as a technician first and then use remote support as your tool, then you're golden. I guess that also gets around the um, having a download on your landing page because I guess a lot of remote support places would have a download on their landing page to get the process started. But by doing it this way, then you can direct a client to it, I guess, through a private link or something. Yeah, and you can have a download on your landing page. It just needs to be specified this is something you're downloading. It can't be a trick. It can't be called something else and then they click on it and it ends up downloading some software. So you can have it. It just has to be specified like before and after. This is a download. This is exactly what it's going to do. And you also need to have the ability or at least a um, a disclaimer on there saying how they can remove the software once they've downloaded it. It's also important to add uh, something saying that unless this is open, we can't actually, you know, we can't spy on your computer or continue watching you ongoing. I I noticed when I uh, did remote support, a lot of people were a little bit leery. Are you going to be able to watch me ongoing and are you going to be able to spy on me? And I'd always make sure I said, this is only functional when you've got it open. When it's closed, I cannot watch what you're doing. Yeah, they and they definitely need to know that. And that and a lot of the remote support systems you have, I mean, I know with, with Instant House Call, you know, you've got the little SysTray icon. If that's not there, then I'm not connected to you. I'm not even close to being connected to you, you know, and, and that gives them that peace of mind of knowing when I click disconnect, that little guy in my SysTray goes away and I know I'm not being watched anymore. It's all about peace of mind with customers. They, as you mentioned, um, they're a bit leery nowadays. The Microsoft scammers, and yeah, I know, I know, uh, Instant House Call does help settle people with the system tray and other things as well. Okay, well, I know with the loss of our business, it was really frustrating, and we went through a lot of headaches. Google dropped us first, and we switched all the way, you know, to Bing, and we were able to run for a few months on Bing before Bing made the same protocol and and dropped us just because we were in the industry. And I remember feeling just really sad, like, well, how, who's going to help these people? How are we going to help these people? And, and then I started thinking, you know, for every one person I help, there were probably five to ten people that were being hurt because Google and, and Bing were allowing those things to get through. And so I had to kind of come to that realization that, you know what, it totally stinks, but, but they are trying to protect their consumers and provide a reliable searching experience for them. Yeah, I understand they've totally got to look after themselves. Actually, on that topic, something I'd recommend to a lot of techs is uh, make sure you're building up your own contact list. So any customers you do get, make sure you have their details, whether that's a phone or email or a mailing address. And the reason why is because, uh, as you mentioned before, Rachel, you can basically live or die by Google. And it sounds like that your remote support business got hit pretty hard when they decided um, they don't want to do what, what you're doing. Uh, so, but we, by having, making sure you're having all your clients' contact details, I don't want to use the word own, but you have that contact and you can send new stuff to them and new offers and that sort of thing. And it makes you a little bit less vulnerable to what Google decides and when they decide to slap you or not. Yeah, you need to make sure you're building your business in such a way that you don't rely on PPC. And, and exactly, building a database, you can find a dozen open source um, CRMs that can help you drop a web form onto your website so you can collect people's names, phone numbers, and email addresses without you really even having to do anything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very important to make sure that you are building your business and PPC is a tool. You don't run it on PPC because they, they won't let you do that anymore. Same thing applies to SEO as well. Um, they're changing that algorithm all the time. And I know plenty of people who got Google slapped and you know, they're having a lovely stream of um, clients coming in, then suddenly nothing because they don't rank on Google search anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I've never branched out into SEO because it changes so much. I feel like the amount of time and effort I have to put into that to stay on top of it, it's just not enough return. It changes so much. Although having said that, I do recommend everyone do basic SEO based on the, you know, the normal rules, the normal, um, you know, have a good title, mention your keyword. But beyond that, I personally, even on Technible, don't focus too much on SEO. Um, I, I try to write good content and good content usually gets found quite well and linked to and then that builds links. And so a lot of technicians with their own blogs, if they've got good content that's shareable, um, that is good SEO. And I think when that those sort of things are on Facebook and your clients are passing it around, that's a lot better than um, just trying to pay someone in India to get you 2,000 links to one article and hope that will rank you better because Google will see that as unnatural and then slap you down for it. Yeah, it, exactly. There's nothing that having good content and having a reliable website, having a blog. I mean, if you can include a blog on your website, even if you don't have much time, you know, once a week, sit down, write something useful to your customers have something that you can send out to them in an email, um, something that builds a community around your business. If they feel part of your of your business and what you're doing, they are going to stick with you. They won't be likely to find another tech. They'll like you. A lot of the technicalers are startups. So, and the problem with SEO is it does take a long time. It can take three months to six months before you even start ranking very high. But um, so in the meantime... I, I recommend that they do PPC. They do get familiar with it. Listen to this podcast, listen to you. And it, it just seems to be the quickest way to start making some money. Yeah, it definitely is. And even if you're not, even if your ROI isn't positive, you need to uh, figure out what exactly you're going for. Because in some industries or in some areas, getting your name out there for a certain amount of time is really what you need. And you may not have a ton of customers come in on you, but maybe if you're just getting started, what you really need is to, is for people to know that you're there. And so you, you're going to have to spend a little bit of money on that and you might not have, you know, a completely positive ROI for a little while, but it'll be worth it because people will know you're there and then you build from there. Yeah. Back to a sort of a mindset problem is a lot of guys, they just won't spend money starting up. It's like, I'm new. I don't have money. So I'm not going to spend money on uh, advertising, but they don't see that sort of a bit of a chicken and egg problem that you actually need to spend the money first to start getting the people. And then once you have the people, you can spend more money doing, you know, PPC or paper advertising and all that. But then they got to realize that they do need to spend some money up front to start getting the clients. Otherwise, it's just chicken and egg. Right. Well, the longer you drag your feet, the longer you're going to struggle and the longer it will be before you have the money to do the advertising that you think you need money for. So you get stuck in this in this rut, and a lot of techs don't get out of it, and they end up changing careers. Yeah, they, they go back to the nine to five because it's it's easier. I mean, going um, freelance is tough, and when someone else handled the advertising of the business that you're working for, it's nice and easy, and especially when you can stick to just being a tech and working with computers. But when you do go out on your own, you do got to start handling this and you've got to have the mindset for numbers that looking at your ROI and um, seeing that if I spend this much and I make this much, then ROI is this much. Got to have a head for the figures, I guess. Yeah, it can be frustrating for a new technician who really likes doing his job and then finds out that he's just signed up to be a, you know, a business person and he never really wanted to be a business person and an accountant and a marketer all rolled up into one. But now that's what he's got to do. You know, it's it can be a little bit eye-opening. Yeah. Once they do start making the money, though, um, they can definitely start outsourcing that stuff. Or 
if you do have a little bit of money saved, then I would recommend that people outsource a lot of this stuff initially. Um, if you're not the best uh, person at building a web page, then get someone who is. And a lot of things with building a web page as well is what I'm trying to think of a good way to explain this. It's a little bit like the client's 16-year-old cousin who is good at computers. He may know how to format the computer, but you as a tech know that that's only a small part of it. You know, you've got to back it up and make sure all the drivers are installed and make sure everything is where it was. Otherwise, we'll complain. There's a lot more to, say, building a website than a lot of people think. And if you can spend just a little bit of money getting a professional to do it, then um, sometimes that's worth it. And because it's not what you do, you don't realize all the little bits and pieces that are required to get a website good up and converting and, you know, doing a good job of what it's supposed to do. Exactly. And even with PPC, you know, if you if you miss one little aspect of it, it could make a huge difference to the effect it has on your business, you know, and so having someone else that can help you walk through it and, and even just get you started on it, you know, I'm sure it's possible to find some freelancers who are willing to to help you get started for a fee, but you've got to be willing to put the initial effort in and that usually is the money that you've got to put into it at the very beginning to get yeah, it going. I guess it's knowing what your mindset's like. If you're good with the numbers, do your um, PPC yourself and you, you quite enjoy refining it and sort of honing in on those perfect keywords. But if that's not you, you just want to play with computers, you want to fix clients' uh, machines and figure out problems, then maybe it's worth outsourcing. It's I guess it comes down to what you like. Well, and that's what successful people do, right? They play to their strengths. You don't waste your time on things you're not good That's at. That's exactly right. In fact, um, some of the most successful people I've ever known um, will outsource as much as they can. I actually knew somebody who was – there was something wrong with him, and I'm not 100% sure what it was. I suspect it was either severe dyslexia or mild autism. I'm not 100% sure, but he outsourced everything. He had a um, handful of secretaries, and um, he was actually very, very successful because he knew what he was good at, but – he wasn't good at a lot of things. Um, I don't think he even knew his own phone number. But he, he just didn't have the mind for it. But he was very good at what he did. He made a lot of money doing a lot of did. And he got other people to handle everything else. So if you are a rock star computer technician, but you haven't got the, the mind for the ROI numbers, then yeah, send it, give it to someone else perhaps. Right. I think you've answered all my questions. Um, you answered a lot more than my questions. So thank you so much for all that. Yeah, no problem. Um, so that's Rachel from Instant House Call. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with both me and the computer technicians. Personally learned quite a lot here as well. So thank you. Sure, anytime. Thank you, Rachel. Discover how to build your computer business. Check out technibble.com. That's T-E-C-H-N-I-B-B-L-E.com. 